I want to share that I have some spots open in my coaching practice. Head over to the alcoholfreecoach.site to schedule your free consult today. Welcome to Living My Breastless Life podcast. I'm your host, HPG. On season three of the podcast, we're diving in to the helping profession. I have found that almost always there's a catalytic event that leads people to help others. You'll hear a variety of folks share what they do, why they do it, and the unique ways that they help. This season will mostly be guest interviews with some fascinating people and a few surprises for y'all along the way. So let's go. Go. Welcome to episode 49. I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Stacy Mesner, who is a psychologist who helps folks with ketamine-assisted therapy. She has cultivated an extraordinary world of deep and meaningful connections. Her clinical training is extensive, helping people navigate through life. She trained and incorporated ketamine-assisted therapy into her practice. She has found that combining CBT with ketamine treatment has led to a deeper, insightful, clear understanding. I can't wait to share this with y'all. So Dr. M, tell us what you do. So I am a clinical psychologist. I practice in New York and New Jersey. I mostly, well, my core orientation is cognitive behavioral, which basically means I dive into people's thinking. And I see my role as almost cleaning it out, like spring cleaning for our minds, for our brains. And I work with clients to pick out negative, you know, irrational self-talk, inner monologues that really change our moods, you know, change our moods, our ability to function in the world. It's, you know, so much of who we are and how we feel comes from our inner talk, our self-talk. Yeah, it really influences our behavior. 100%. Because it it affects how we feel about ourselves, and then that's what we project into the world. Yes. I, I think CBT is amazing, and I use a lot of thought work by Byron Katie in the work that I do with folks, and... It's just simply amazing how so much of what we say to ourselves is just simply not true. 100%. It's not true. And it has nothing to do with intelligence, but many people aren't even tuned into what they're saying to themselves. Mm, Say more about that. You know, I've worked with super, you know, academically intelligent people you know, directors or ERs and, and big lawyers. And they come in and when I say, well, what are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? I get this kind of blank stare. It takes a minute for me to help them to tune into what are they thinking, right? What is their monologue and how it is, 
how is it affecting relationships, work, emotions, all of that? And usually there's this like aha moment. Oh, well, that's what you're talking about, Dr. M. Oh, I see. I was getting ready to ask you what the themes you see within your clients or, you know, in regards to emotional intelligence. Yeah, I, I think that emotional intelligence obviously it doesn't always correlate with, you know, intellectual intelligence. That is a fact. So tell us a little bit about ketamine-assisted therapy. I am so eager to hear about it. I've been working with CBT for 20 plus years, have made, you know, big strides, changed some lives for sure. I always was reading and researching, you know, other about other techniques to add in. And then, you know, ketamine became really popular. Ketamine-assisted therapy became a popular topic in the press. And at the same time, a psychiatrist I collaborate with had started using intravenous ketamine to treat addictions. Started reading the research and it was legit. And, you know, there's all these studies, Yale, maps, where suppression lifted significantly in 24 hours, you know, and remains sort of really lightened over the course of time. Do you do the uh, the intravenous ketamine sessions? There are really three modalities of um, intake for ketamine. There's intravenous, there's intramuscular, which is a shot, um, and there's sublingual, which is like a lozenge under the tongue. And that's what I use in my practice, sublingual. It's a little milder and my clients can usually talk to me while they're on their little journeys, which is super valuable because I'm taking down all this and whatever's coming up for them. And, you know, then we later go back and try to integrate it into therapy. What makes a person eligible to receive ketamine-assisted therapy? We've seen, and the research supports, you know, significant effects on uh, of ketamine-assisted therapy on depression, certainly PTSD, right? OCD, severe anxiety, addictions. And, you know, when we go back to PTSD, I also think it's important to say there are all levels of trauma, right? And the world we live in has been kind of traumatic for most people over the last couple of years. So when I did a little bit of study about ketamine-assisted assisted therapy, I read that you have to be without use of benzodiazepines for a certain amount of time before you can receive it. Is that true? The only contraindications um, are more medical. Um, so like uncontrolled high blood pressure um, would rule someone out until it was under control. Uh, an active state of mania, the manic part of bipolar disorder. Um, in that phase, that person would not be a good candidate. Um, any form of, you know, schizophrenic issues, schizoaffective disorder probably would rule you out. Um, but as far as my practice and the group I collaborate with, Skylight Psychedelic, I've not seen any issue with psychotropic medications. That is awesome. I'm super inspired. Super inspired. So when you receive the therapy, how long of a course? 
Is it once a week? Is it every two weeks? So usually the course is six weeks. It's either six treatments or nine. We usually start with six. Our goal is once a week. Sometimes life gets in the way, so it's a week and a half or every 10 days or whatever it is. And within that, in addition to the ketamine session, where you're actually taking the medication, um, there needs to be an integration session where you work through whatever comes up with your ketamine-assisted therapy. That's super important. So you take the treatment, so to speak, you take the medicine, and then do you go home and rest and then come back and like verbally process the experience and anchor down into what came up for the individual in the session? Yeah. So my preference is for my clients to come in, they take the medicine here in my office. So I, what we call like hold space for them. Um, I get them into, you know, a calm space. We do some breathing. We talk about intentions for the session, um, which is super important also. And then I like them to go home, eat some food, sit outside if they can, journal, everything that comes up. I give them a copy. I send them a copy of the playlist we use to sort of trigger more stuff that might come up. And then ideally the next day, we have an integration session where we go through everything that came up and kind of piece it together. That's amazing. That is just amazing. When the person receives the treatment, are they able to drive home? Great question. No, they are not able to drive home. Um, They need to get it right here and home. And we ask that I ask that they make no big decisions, no life decisions. Um, during the course of treatment, um, you don't eat before the ketamine or drink about an hour or two before. And you feel like a little kind of woozy after for a few hours. So what are the outcomes that you see, the benefits of, say, a person has PTSD, OCD, and severe anxiety, and they do the treatments and they do the integration and they do the work verbally and 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 what are the outcomes that you see I mean most recently I've seen an amazing outcome with a long-term client um she suffers her diagnosis is bipolar more recently she's been more of an in a depressive state and she also suffers from anxiety social anxiety um and has a history of addictions she it's so interesting 20-something, beautiful girl, um, never cried. And seeing her for about six years, never saw her cry. She had always taken hurt and sadness and shifted it to anger so quickly that there was no space for the sadness she felt. Lashed out at boyfriends, at her parents, at friends. Um, And during the ketamine session, the first session, I saw that she was tearing. I saw tears running down her face. And... I said to her, you're crying. And she said, no, I don't know what's happening. I'm tearing. So I said, it's okay, you're tearing. And she proceeded to tear through all six ketamine sessions. And it's just so amazingly indicative of what this medicine can open up that's unavailable in traditional therapy and with traditional medications. She's gone on to leave her 
high school sort of dead-end job and begin work at a school. And she um, gets up more easily every morning. And in her words, the depression had lifted. It's been an amazing journey. Is she able to express emotion that doesn't come in the form of anger and lashing out? Yeah, her most recent argument with her boyfriend, she finally used the I feel statements that we've been working on forever. No screaming, no. And we'll continue to work on that to keep the progress she's made. But, you know, that was my most recent case and, and probably most profound. Wow. You're a compassionate witness to a lot of change in your helping folks. It's been amazing. Thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you too, Heather, for what you do. I just, I'm fascinated by this, as you can tell. So you have the CBT, and it sounds like the ketamine-assisted therapy was something you were really interested in to pair with your other services to help folks what led you to the beginning of your career? Yeah, that's an interesting question. For me, um, the path to become a psychologist started as a child, like well before I realized it. I, um, we lived in the city and my aunt and grandmother lived across the street. And my aunt was this amazing person. At times she was funny and fun and lively and compassionate. And then at times she would leave her house and she had all these like strange phobic behaviors, like you know, perfume to like toilet paper of varying kinds. And I was always asking, you know, what's wrong with her? And no one was able to give me, give me an answer that I understood um, or maybe they didn't want to. Um, and I saw her towards, you know, as my grandmother was dying, my, she finally engaged in therapy and it was life-changing. And the last few decades of her life, her 60s and 70s were the best and most free. So yeah. And then I took a course freshman year in college in abnormal psychology. And I was like, oh, okay. These were her diagnoses. And this is what she had. And this is what I want to do. That's wonderful. I, I I love hearing, I call them baby social work s- stories. Because in my career, when I've been training folks or having interns or what have you, I always love to hear w- why they became a social worker. And a lot of it does start from childhood and experiences. So thank you very much for being vulnerable and sharing that. I think it's, I have a question. When you were an undergrad, did you start diagnosing your family and yourself and your friends like in your head? 100%. I did too. I did too. I was like, I have da 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 You know, when we were reading the DSM, I was like, oh, I have this. Oh, my such and such has this, this. And I would ask my therapist and psychologist and psychiatrist, like, do I have bipolar disorder? <laughs> and they're like, mm, if you brought that awareness, probably no. And no disparity to folks who live with bipolar disorder. It's just an example of like a day in the life of Heather's therapy sessions in my 20s, early 20s. Like I was so fascinated with 
what do I have? What can I take to fix it? Yeah. And started diagnosing myself when I was like 18. So thank you for sharing your story. I have one more question about ketamine-assisted therapy. I want to circle back to it. I am in recovery from alcohol. And when you said it, ketamine treatments help folks with addiction, can you share just a little bit about uh, uh, how it works and an outcome uh, uh, or good reason to give it a try if you're struggling with addiction? It's generally prescribed for individuals who have alcoholism with a co-occurring um, mental health disorder, although it can be used for addictions alone. And the mode of treatment for that is usually um, IV. Mm-hmm. Can folks who are in active use receive the treatment or do you have to have some um, sober days? No, you don't need to have sober days. It's it's a way, and I have used the sublingual in my office um, with folks who are struggling with addiction. And there has definitely been positive, there have been positive outcomes. The mode of how it works in the brain is not completely understood. However, I went to a conference recently, and and what I did learn is the number of connections in our brains increases. So it's not an increase in serotonin necessarily or dopamine or norepinephrine, but it's the number of synaptic connections, which basically means we have more room to think about things in different ways and reprocess memories, memories even of drinking. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So Dr. M, tell us where we can find you and learn more and come get some ketamine-assisted assisted therapy. Well, I am in New York and New Jersey. Um, I collaborate with a group, which is a, their website's a great place to learn as well. Um, it's called skylightpsychedelics.com. My website, great place to learn. DrStacyM.com and my Instagram, Dr. Stacy Cohen Meisner18. I'll make sure to link all this in the show notes so folks can take a look. Email me, all of that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I could truly talk to you all day. Um, I'm just so fascinated and I have so many questions. Yeah, this is such a great resource for folks to just think about different ways. You know, you can't learn what you don't know. You know, the past couple of years have been life-changing and anxiety is at an all-time high. Uh, I have no evidence to prove what I'm getting ready to say, but I think alcohol use disorder really exacerbated at the beginning of the pandemic. And drinking was almost encouraged, like on social media, like we have nothing to do. We're just going to drink today or... I mean, I think we're really going to see a lot of people struggling more with alcohol addiction as related to the isolation from the pandemic and the encouragement of like, hey, we're bored. But that's no judgment. I've been there. I was there. So thank you for doing the good work and helping folks. And thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been so fun. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living My Breathless Life. Head over to Instagram and follow According to HPG to stay connected to the show. Go get your mammograms.